Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. And welcome to Mind Your Loaf, a podcast about taking action on our mental health. I'm here with my co-host, Mark. Hi, everybody. Brilliant. And a team at Irish Mental Health Charity, TurnToMe.ie, who besides helping us with this podcast, provide professional mental health support online free to everyone in Ireland. Well, joining us all the way from the, from the traffic is Dermot Whelan. Hi, Dermot. Hey, Dermot. Hello there. Hello, welcome. Jason. Hello, Mar. How are you? Hi, Dermot. And just so people know, they go, hang on, is that Dermot from Today FM, Dermot and Dave? Yes, it is. And Dermot from the Republic of Telly? Yes, it was. And uh, Dermot, he used to do loads of stand-up. Yes, he did. <laughs> and Dermot and Dermot from the Dermot and Dave tour all around uh, Ireland. Yes, he was, did. And yeah, he's back. So how are you? I'm great. Um, I, I, I know your listeners can't see what I can see, but I'm just worried for Mark because um, you do look like you've been kidnapped. Are they treating you well? <laughs> well, I've lost the ability to know what well is anymore, Darren. I've just gotten used to my little space. Look, that's literally how much space as I have. There's a kind of a graph Irish phone box and people are wondering where they've gone. <laughs> 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 Oh, yeah. Yes, I've upcycled, upcycled an old telephone box. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing when you see something nostalgic and you make that noise and your kids just don't care. It's just quick fun. Ah, oh, look. Ah, oh, look at the phone box. Yeah, it's a phone box. It's not what it could give shit. Anyway, Dermot, we were supposed to record this a bit earlier, but Dermot was late because he doesn't listen to the traffic on his own show. No, so- I, uh, I tell you, I was at the new midlife crisis machine, which is <gasps> an electric skateboard. Of course. Oh. Yeah, so I was flying around uh, the coast of Dublin and the parks uh, oh, yeah. in Hans Park in Rahim. Wow. And um, then I just got stuck in horrible school traffic. So I, I apologize. No, no. But I was in the car. What we're, what we're, what we're bringing Dermot on for, we go, what's Dermot on for now? Because this is Dermot. This Mind Your Loaf, uh, we've been dealing with so many different topics, like all about mental health, well-being. You know, we've done like a cyber psychologists, neuroscientists, like uh, suicide, depression, like everything. The works all about luck, being happy. And we haven't had anybody come on, like which is, we've spoken about it very tiny, about like meditating. And that's why we kind of brought you on. But what I'd love to do is, we just go back a tiny bit to ha- where you found yourself in the position you're in now, which is, which is uh, like when I, when I knew you in your full flight and I was with you in Dubai and everything, we were gigging, you were doing stand up. you had your radio show, you would have been either just about to do Republic of Telly or we're doing Republic of Telly as well. And, uh, and God knows what else. I mean, I'm sure you're fitting more. And then all your family life as well. So much going on. Yeah, and then sprinkle in a few corporate gigs in there as well, and uh, yeah, and uh, a passion for our for Guinness, and it's a <laughs> it's a heady cocktail of life. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I tell you what, actually, the the my path into that this whole world started a couple of years previous to that. That was twenty ten when you and I were in, I think, in in Dubai, and uh, I was going down to the. Catlaff's Comedy Festival 
And I was, I still am, I think, the only person, the only comedian, only performing comedian to arrive into the Kilkenny Cat Laughs Comedy Festival in an ambulance. What? Yeah, because I had my one and only panic attack on the way to Cat Cat Laughs um, in, in 2007. I didn't know what was happening. I thought I was having a heart attack or a stroke. I, I had no idea I had any issues with anxiety or stress or burnout or overwhelm. All I knew was it felt like the invisible man was sitting on me while I was trying to drive to a comedy <laughs> festival. Jesus. I couldn't breathe properly. So we on your own, first of all. Sorry. I had my brother-in-law in the car, thankfully, um, but he was freaky. He was like, what is wrong with you? Is this yeah. part of your routine? Yeah, stop. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I anyone who's ever had one will know that it's quite a terrifying experience if you don't know what's happening um, because yeah. you're gasping for breath. You feel it's a terrible pressure on you, on your chest. And, and for me, it was like my... My stomach, like somebody was really sitting on my stomach. You, I was gasping for breath. So then I started hyperventilating. And what happens when you start hyperventilating really badly? Your your oxygen, carbon dioxide balance gets all out of whack. So your parts of your body goes into spasm. So all my hands cramped up, my jaw cramped up, my tongue cramped up. Shit. I mean, that's, that sounds like a stroke, you know. That's- exactly. Well, I was trying to ring my missus. Um, to essentially say goodbye because I thought I think I'm dying. So I rang yeah. her. She answered the phone, and I, c- I couldn't speak because my mouth had gone had locked up. So all she heard was Jesus Christ! And she's like, oh, "Wow, it's like eleven in the morning. Are you drunk already?" Like I, I know <laughs> Kenny has a reputation, but this is a personal best for you. Um, but yeah, so then the ambulance arrived and they gave me a brown paper bag and I was like, wow, <laughs> the HSE is worse than I thought. This is all you can give me. It, it still smells of your man's sandwiches. <laughs> but, uh, so they went, you're grand. You're not having a stroke. You're hyperventilating. Breathe into this. And, uh, then they carted me off to hospital to make sure I was all right. So the high, I mean, because I've had those panic attacks before, but I've never had it in that serious. I've had like my heart rushing. I mean, your heart is definitely uh, palpitating. That's definitely a thing. Do you know what I mean? Because people go, no, it's not. You're only imagining it. But my heart was, it's definitely palpitating. But I'm not dying. And you were definitely not dying. But um, you were, were you making yourself worse as that was happening by panicking? For a lot of people, something like that, an anxiety experience or, or attack or panic attack, whatever you want to call it like that, it can be sort of self-perpetuating because because I didn't know what was going on, I started to freak out that I was yeah. having a heart attack. Okay. And the more anxious I got, you, the more oxygen I was, you know, sending to the anxiety flames. And it just started to snowball. And then, of course, when you start hyperventilating, you're making it worse. And um, yeah, I thought I was I remember li- I was lying on the driveway of a bungalow a few miles outside Kilkenny. And it had those really ostentatious Irish pillars of the eagle. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice. oh lovely. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought, at least I'm dying in a posh driveway. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I've got standards. Yeah. yeah. The wall is pebble dashed. They've, you know, the gate is class. Um, but there's, fr- there's friends of mine that that's happened to before. And it's, it was very like your situation. And he just literally just hit the floor. Right. He didn't go to a panic attack. He kind of just passed out. And then he re- uh, he's kind of they had him in hospital and he, it's like, like you, he had no underlying uh, uh, illnesses or anything, but had been told by the doctor that he was working too much. That was it. That's all the doctor could say is you are overdoing it. And that's your body has tried to shut you down is what they said to him. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people get told that, but that's kind of a lot of the time. That's all they get told is stuff like, hey, yeah. you need to take a break or um, you know, you need to do something to de-stress. Do you do you do you swim? You know, you, you kind of get <laughs> asked those kinds of things. But you know, I, I left that hospital with absolutely no clue as to really what I had experienced, uh, what was causing it, and what I could do to help. And um, yeah. so I just pulled the heart monitors off myself and said, "I'm going to be late for my gig." And I, I went into town and did two stand-up gigs. Delighted with myself that I had five minutes of new material about arriving in. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, you know, I learned no lessons that night. But, you know, obviously it planted a seed in me. And a few years later, I quite by chance met a woman who was into meditation, who was a teacher herself. And she's an author called Siobhan McKenna, a good pal of mine now. And she had asked me to launch her book just as an MC, you know. Yeah. Um, so I said, yeah, great. And I heard that she studied uh, and taught meditation. So I said, look, I'll do a swap with you. Don't pay me. And I, I'll just teach me an hour of meditation and, and that will do. So that kind of wow. set me on. Like, and Dermot, can I ask you, like, say going back to that night or sorry, that morning in Kilkenny, you're having a panic attack. You end up in hospital. They say that there's nothing physiologically wrong with you. You were hyperventilating. Here's a brown bag. You know, your heart's fine. You said it planted a seed. What seed did it plant? What did you start what started at that moment? For me, I think? understood, Mara, that what was happening was basically my body stepping in and saying, see stress, you're not handling it very well. So I'll take over okay. from here right. and I'm going to give you a really short, sharp shock because, you know, it's it's not a very medical description of what's happening. But for me, you know, those kinds of events are your body just taking over, saying, you know yeah. what, you're, you're not handling Whatever you're doing is not working for you. So yeah. uh, we're just going to go into super emergency mode here yeah. um, and try and get things back on track. You know, it's like an airplane where all the dials are are skewways. They're all, you know, you know, in those disaster movies when suddenly the pressure changes and the plane starts to dive, everything goes, wee, 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 wee. you know, that's that's kind of what was happening in my nervous system. So um I knew that, you know, alcohol was something that I had been leaning into, I suppose, for stress relief, not because I think I was an alcoholic or anything. But, you know, for many of us, particularly Irish people, the only stress relief response that we see demonstrated by the grownups around us when we're kids is generally alcohol. Or yeah, nicotine. Yeah. I mean, you'll hear that phrase, you know, relax and have a drink. That's what, like they would have said in my house. So down there, relax and have a drink. And I go, what? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, you know, that's fun, um, but it's not a long term solution to, you know, issues, whether that's taking on too much work, what I was doing, um, not getting enough sleep. That was a big issue for me because I was on breakfast radio at the time and I I was up for at 4.30 a.m. for my show. But I was also doing comedy gigs four nights a week, you know, oh and not getting gosh. home till one or two in the morning. And, and you know yourself as a comic, Jay, like yeah. when you're trying to come down, down off a performance, you're going to start reaching for stuff like alcohol or, or whatever you can get to kind of bring you down enough so that you can go to sleep. Now, thankfully, you know, now I've learned there are other tools, for instance, breathing techniques you can use that are um, far more effective, actually, than alcohol and, and don't make you feel like a bag of crap the next day. Look, I'm not anti-booze. Like I don't want your listeners to think that I'm, I'm on a mission against alcohol, but I know just for me, it wasn't at that time. It was the only thing I, I knew, the only coping mechanism for for what was happening in my life. Um, and it, it wasn't working for me. So it was but. always like um, whenever you finished a gig afterwards, I used to feel like uh, it, I, I needed a reward because I did so well. Do you know what I mean? Or I had just gotten through the gig or did whatever way I did tell I did well. I mean, yeah, a pint, just a pint or whatever. I used to, no matter what time it was, I thought, yeah, that's grand. That's well done. You deserve a pint. Isn't it weird? Uh, instead, of, instead of well done, you deserve uh, a bag of berries or some really healthy nuts. No, well done. You deserve a big fat pint in your face. <laughs> or 10 hours sleep. Yeah, 10 hours sleep. Yeah, no, you deserve a pint. <laughs> yeah, but like one thing oh, I was amazed about when I went to Kilkenny to the comedy festival and I told a lot of my fellow comics what had happened to me, a huge number of them all went, oh, yeah, yeah, I've had them. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what, yeah. why is nobody talking about this? Like, what, what is this? Dude, I nearly died. Just here, have another can. You know, obviously, so, you know, comedians are wired differently anyway, I think, Um and, uh, you know, we tend to live our lives in extremes a lot of the time. But like, yeah. you're so right about the reward system. And that's another thing that's sort of inbuilt in our society as a whole um, in, in that we, you know, even, you know, Friday comes and you're thinking, well, what's my reward? You know, and red wine, as sad and middle aged as it sounds that I'm I'm out on my electric skateboard. <laughs> you know, for, for me, that's because I have shifted my reward system, whereas old me would have gone, well, I'm going to the off license on the way home and I'm going to have a few cans in the fridge 
I'm going to, you know, that, that, that's my reward mechanism. Whereas now if, you know, if I get a little adrenaline rush and a bit of a dopamine hit on a skateboard, because I know if I fall, um, my knees won't take it. So, (laughs) you know, for me, that's kind of, that's it's just a different kind of reward that I've I've had to do. I've had to sort of put in place that I, I reward myself in different ways now. And do you think that your um you know the fact that you meditate now has has contributed to you being able to make different decisions or or, or that you being aware that you have choices around what you can do to make yourself feel better or to reward yourself? Yeah, I mean, to, I, I think whatever language you want to use. When you start to go down any road, whether it's meditation or some process of self-care, when you start to engage with that process, you can't help but start to examine what's not working for you. You know, and I think a lot of people, particularly when they hit around 40, start to begin that process. And sometimes it can start for you, which is kind of what happened to me. Um, In in other ways, you, you know, you know, people, you hear a lot of people going, oh, I used to drink, but now I just can't handle it. Or um, this, some people just wake up and realize, well, you know, I don't want to go out to those places or I don't want to hang out with those people anymore. I, so, sometimes when you engage with with a, some Yourself. kind of a, a process like meditation or something like that, it forces you to examine what's what's around me, what's in my environment that actually just isn't working anymore. Cause you know what? It's exhausting. But when you have stuff that's, that's not really working for you. Um, it, it, sometimes it can create a little bit of a civil war in your head and that kind of ruminating and, and inner battle and, and inner dialogue can be really exhausting. And sometimes you just, it forces you to, to choose different things to put in their place. But it can also be an age thing as well, because it, like when you're younger, you're not thinking about meditating. You're thinking about like getting out, going out, having a laugh, you know, make, making babies, having like having sex, going nuts. You know, like it's the last thing you want to do is slow down. So you're right. It is very much when you get older, your body is naturally slowing down. Do you know what I mean? So it's 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 when it's saying I can't take it anymore. It mentally can't take it anymore because it's it's almost like you've used up all your all your lifelines behind you. By going, like you've gone mental. Do you know what I mean? You've done all that. Like, and so you can't keep going mental. You just can't. It's too physically demanding to like go, go drink and go drink and go. And like, because as you get to 40, if it, but I mean, of course, there's people like my dad who passed away whenever 81, who kept drink, but he drank slower and slower. Do you know what I mean? Everything started to slow down for him. Do you know what I mean? And that's how he, and that's how he did it. But there is other people that go, 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 go. And then they just snap. You know, because their body just goes, no, 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 no. I don't have this liver anymore. I can't do this going out. I don't have this type of energy. So it needs to just snap you somehow and just go, no, no, slow it down. It's kind of like we spend a lot of our youth trying to get out of ourselves and yeah. and don't. And, and it's not even just an age thing. I think maybe we're just the way things are. It, it is all about living outside of ourselves. And I think with meditation, it is all about coming back into ourselves and realizing I think it's getting to know yourself. Would you say, Dermot, when you are in a meditative state or whatever way you'd call it, is there a sense of you coming back into yourself of kind of realizing who you are, how you are in that moment? What's it? So my question, to make it clearer to you, can you describe to us what it's like when you are, say if you're doing your daily practice of meditation, what is it? What does it feel like? What is that state that you reach? Or is that how you would describe it? Um, I think there are lots of components, even sort of what I'm mentally or emotionally experiencing aside, the very act of me sitting down for myself and taking time for no other purpose than to put myself at ease, um, calm my nervous system, set myself up for the day. The very fact that I've normalized taking time to do that is for me like 70% of the work. Okay, you so know, that commitment that, to practice, showing up. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Um, I mean, it's the same for, I suppose, people who do exercise because they know it, yeah. it makes them feel better. Um, but there's something even more intense about just sitting with yourself, you know, and, and mm-hmm. it's a very unnatural state for a lot of people. There was a study done a few years ago in the University of Virginia 
And they got a few hundred people of all ages. And the only requirement they asked in the study of them was to sit by themselves for 15 minutes with their own thoughts. Um, and they just wanted to see how they would react. And part of this of the experiment was they had a button on the table in front of the people. Um, and the button, if touched, would administer an electric shock. And they told them, look, that button is there. You don't have to press it. OK, it will okay. give you an electric shock. Begin your 15 minutes. And it was a sparsely furnished room. And they obviously took their phones and other distractions away from them. 67 percent of the men in that study chose to electrocute themselves. Within that <laughs> Jesus Christ. Why am I not surprised? Yeah. Uh, well, the women were completely faultless. 25 percent of women. Right. In the study. Uh, one man in the study electrocuted himself 197 times Jesus uh, in the space of 15 minutes, which actually <laughs> takes work. That sounds like a sexual thing. <laughs> so, you know what that study shows us is that we we are not comfortable particularly men no. sitting alone with ourselves and our thoughts you know a, a guy actually messaged me yesterday on instagram and he was very caught up with with the critical side of his mind he was saying look i'm trying to meditate i'm trying to get into follow your guided meditations but for me i find it very difficult because my mind just won't leave me alone. It, it's constantly pick and fall to me um, about things that I've done and I feel guilty and shame and all those kinds of things. So for a lot of people sitting in silence, it, it's a skill that we have to learn because we've been trained and distracted out of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so for me and for a lot of people, simply being able to sit with yourself and breathe or repeat a, a mantra or a phrase in your mind, simply being able to do that for five or 10 minutes you know, that's a that's a big achievement for a lot of people. And certainly it was for me because, you know, like most people, I found my, my brain was bouncing all over the place. Um, you know, I, I'm OK with it bouncing now, but I'm, I'm a little bit more aware of the places my brain is going. So where when did you first meditate? Because I know that your mate, you asked your mate to teach you. Uh, like, did you did you start with her? Like, or where, where did you start? It? Like, and how did you start it? Like, how? Because. Like, how did you teach yourself how to meditate? Because people are going to be listening to you going, like, how do you do it? What do you do? Like, what are you talking about? Like, how can, like, like what, like, a lot, when you say, when you say meditate to people who have never meditated, you're talking Tibetan monks, you're talking Om, chanting, like all sorts of mad sh- Yeah, and he always, they always say hippie, which I've, and I've never even seen a hippie anymore, uh, but they, all this kind of stuff. So like, how do you, how did you start? Like, how did you teach yourself or how were you taught? Yeah, well, I had the same preconceptions as most people have about it. I thought it was for people who looked like Jesus, who wore nothing but white linen all day. Uh, and, and had nothing else to do. That's a one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sitting around doing nothing all day. Well, wouldn't we all feckin' love that? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I, so I had the same preconceptions uh, of it, uh, but I was willing to give it a shot. And I think that for a lot of people, once you can just say, OK, I'm going to try this. And I, I decided I was committed that far. So the type of meditation I was introduced to first, quite by chance, is because this was just what, what my friend taught, um, was meditate was mantra meditation. So instead of focusing your mind on your breath, for instance, you're focusing your mind on a syllable, a word or a phrase. So she gave me a couple of phrases to repeat in my mind when I sat down. And that's all I did. So let me give you my simplest definition for anyone who's thinking, OK, look, I want to know more about meditation. I want to give it a go. So meditation is focusing your mind on one thing when your mind wanders off, which it will. You gently bring your attention back to your breath. That's it. So when you say when you say bring it back to your breath, you mean the noise of your breath. What you're hearing. If I said to you, okay, just put your hand on your belly and breathe in through your nose and feel your belly rise and fall with each breath. Okay. And you'll do that and you go, oh yeah, I can feel my belly rise and fall. Yeah. 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 God, I never took the chicken out of the freezer. (laughs) You know, um, oh my God, why is my leg so itchy? I shouldn't be using that shower gel. I knew I shouldn't have bought cheap shower gel. And off your mind goes and it's, it's left. And then after a while, you realize, oh, shit, I'm actually I'm not thinking about my breath anymore. So I'm going to bring my attention back to that. 
So then you start again and you're focusing on your breath. And then you think, oh, that dog, neighbor's dog is driving me mad. Uh, God, I hate that dog. Oh, I wish my own dog was still around. And your mind's gone again. And you'll gently remember, oh, God, that's it. My mind has wandered. I'll bring it back. And the reason I say gently bring your attention back is because this is not an excuse to beat ourselves over the head. I, yeah. You know, it's not another yeah. stick to beat ourselves with. For God, I can't even meditate right. You know, so basically that's all I was doing in the early stages. Just trying to focus on one thing. When my mind wandered off, I gently brought my attention back to that. And that's where I started. And they do. And I, I mean, I've been meditating a good while as well. And one thing I learned, because I, I was like that at the start, I was going, I can't even can't meditate. I want to meditate now because I no patience. But like everything... I, I didn't give up. I kept going, but it took me a while to learn how to do it. My brain and my body kind of got used to it eventually. That's what happened to me. Is that, did that happen to you? Or Yeah, it is because you're training your body into a new state. You know, a lot of people as well fall asleep when they start meditating. Um, because think about it, your body goes, oh, wow, his eyes are closed. Um, he's breathing slower and deeper. He's sitting or lying down. I know what this is. It's sleep. Knock him out. <laughs> you know, yeah. You're gone. When we learn to meditate, we teach our bodies and our minds another state. And that is, yes, I'm sitting or lying down. Yes, I'm breathing a bit deeper and slower. Yes, my eyes are closed, but my mind is alert. And in that state, that is where the actual physical changes occur in our brain. And this points to another scientific study that came out of Harvard in 2012. And they got people possibly like your listeners to this podcast would never meditated before. And they got them to meditate for less than half an hour a day for eight weeks. So less than two months. And when they obviously scanned their brains throughout the whole thing, and what they found at the end actually really surprised them. What they found was their amygdala, which is, you've obviously talked about before on this podcast, part of our brain that looks after uh, angry, anxious, fearful thoughts. That had actually shrunk in size. That it actually was swelled. Less of it in every single one of those uh, beginner meditators. And what they also found, conversely, was parts of their brain responsible for self-awareness, logical thinking, uh, memory was a big one. That had actually grown in size. It was denser. There was there was more gray matter in those areas. So a beginner in less than two months will physically change the shape of their brains. And so for me, I was thinking, well, this has to work because if The part of my brain, you know, how how can I continue to have the same amount of anxious or fearful thoughts if the part of my brain that's producing those thoughts is actually getting smaller? So, you know, for me, excuse the pun, it was a no brainer. So that was one of those studies that I learned when I started, when I really was drilling down into it because I wanted to know more and then obviously ended up teaching it. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yeah, because you went from, you went from uh, it, you know, doing a bit of meditating to getting into it. And then, as you said, you started to study it. Where did you study that? 
Yeah, well, I had come across a chap called David G, who's based in the States. I liked his approach because he he came at it from the, you know, the more ancient Eastern spiritual traditions. But he also came at it from a really hard, cold, scientific point of view. And that was important for me because, you know, that's kind of the currency of today. People trust science. They particularly blokes are more likely to lean into something if they think it's got scientific validation. So I, I was interested in the science of it. Um, and then I started to sort of read a lot of his stuff. And then I knew that he was also a trained teacher. So um, I enrolled with him and spent a year really immersed in, in a lot of texts, whether they were scientific journals or whether they were ancient scriptures like the Bhagavad Gita, you know, um, that people would know from Indian tradition. So um, after that, then I, I became a teacher and I, I suppose I had no real desire to be a teacher in, in the early days. I just wanted to know more because uh, I found that I was sort of skirting around the edges. I kind of wasn't really committing enough that I needed to because all the science says, do it every day, you'll see results. And I was kind of talking a lot about it but not actually doing the work. So I thought a teacher training course would actually force me to, to knuckle down a bit more. But actually what it did was it, it really inspired me to take the information and bring it to people in, in, a, in a different way where I could use my stand-up comedy skills. I could use my radio communication skills yeah. to deliver something that actually could really help people, you know? And because and, and, I've seen it, I've seen small meditations like the 16 second meditation make a huge difference difference in in people's lives in terms of lowering their stress levels lowering their anxiety that's a brilliant thing to say because for, when i first heard about meditation i thought i don't have time to do it do you know what i mean but as you say there is loads of different timings isn't there that you can do it for as long or as short as you want yeah and you know that that's a natural reaction to our already busy lives you know we have a lot going on and sometimes when you think well, how am I going to build that in on top of everything else? I've got kids, I've got work, I've got, you are trying to go to the gym, uh, you know, and, and it's very understandable. But I suppose when you do say to someone, well, have you got 16 seconds? Can you do a 16 <laughs> second meditation? It kind of stops them in their tracks because they're like, <laughs> damn, he's got me. He's got me there, yeah. Yeah, so, you know. Garish, I, I, can, you, can you describe that 16 seconds practice? Yeah, sure. This is one of the first meditations uh, that I learned from that chap, David G, who is one of the leading corporate stress management experts in the state. So um, sometimes it's called box breathing or square breathing. Um, the military use this. Uh, oftentimes they'll use this meditation or ones very like it to sleep in the field if they're, you know, they find that they're um, halfway up a mountain or lying in a trench or whatever it is soldiers do that the this can help and help them to fall asleep under sort of extreme conditions uh, and settle their nerves and their minds as well. So the idea is you breathe, you're breathing in through your nose to a count of four. Then you hold that breath in to a count of four. Then you let that breath go to another count of four. And then you hold that breath out to another count of four. So there's your 16 seconds. Yeah. Um, wow. you want to try it? Yeah. 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 Let's do it. Dermot. Okay. Ready? You might get a little bit yawny. You might be a little bit um, feeling like, mm, but that's good because that's a sign that your nervous system is finally getting a chance to calm the hell down because we rarely give ourselves even 16 seconds just to relax um, and find a bit of stillness. So before we do the 16 seconds, I just want to do a belly breath with you because how we breathe is important. Um, so why don't you put one hand on your belly and then take a nice, long, slow, deep breath in through your nose. And I want you to feel your belly expand underneath your hand, like you're breathing into your belly. And then you can gently let that go and you should feel your belly fall back down again. So another nice, long, slow, deep breath into your nose. And feel that belly rise. Hold it there for a moment. And gently let that go. So the reason I'm encouraging you to A, breathe through your nose is because our noses are incredible air filters. Um, they take a lot of the crap out of the air. And we've become a, a nation of mouth breathers just for, for many reasons. Um, but also when we breathe into our nose, we tend to pull the air deeper down into our lungs. There's receptors at the bottom of our lungs, blood vessels that pull a lot of that nice oxygen out into our bloodstream. It goes up to our brain and all around our body and helps us to feel a bit more energized and think. That is clearer. very good to know. Thank you, Jeremy. Yeah, that's brilliant. 
So are we going to do this? Yeah. Okay. Here we go. So okay. take a nice, long, slow, deep breath in through the nose. Two, three, four. Now hold that in your belly. Two, three, four. Now gently let that breath go. Letting the breath go, feeling the belly fall back down. Three, four. Now hold that breath out. Before you take another breath in, just hold it there. Three, four. Now you're just breathing normally. Oh, it's a bit of a, that's a good whacker. Yeah. Lovely. <laughs> that's, a, that's a little bing. Yeah. So you can, you, you know, if you're feeling you're a little bit wound up, you can run two or three or four of those together. Um, yeah. Just keep doing them. I, you know, it's a great meditation to go. Like I use it in, we're queuing for everything these days. So you can use it in queues. I use it if I'm in traffic, obviously keeping my eyes open. Some, you know, if I, performing, I use it all the time. I, I use it every single time I'm about to do something on stage. I'll use it before and I'll use it at the interval. And it just settles your nervous system. Even in that 16 seconds, you've lowered, it really does. You've lowered your blood pressure. Yeah. You've lowered your heart rate. You've lowered the levels of cortisol and adrenaline in your system. Um, you've fired up, you've boosted your immune system. Your growth and sex hormones are kicking in. Your digestive Brilliant. system is kicking back in. So, um, yeah. like, it's not rocket science. You know, any of these techniques, all we're ever trying to do is to turn off our stress response. And like, our stress response is, is amazing. And, you know, every time, Jason, you hop up on a stage, you're, you're relying on that stress response. You need your heart racing, you need those stress hormones, sending more oxygen to your brain and getting your heart pumping. Um, you know, you need to be thinking quicker in the moment and making better decisions. You need to be thinking five jokes ahead. That stress yeah. response is absolutely necessary. The problem arises um, outside of that is when we can't turn it off. And we weren't given the tools to turn off our stress response. And our lives are so busy that we can easily roll from hour to hour, day to day, week to week, without ever really getting out of that mode. And, you know, for me, I used to wake up at 10 past three in the morning. That was the sign for me that something wasn't right. And a lot of people, when they're feeling like they're a bit overwhelmed, their sleep is the first thing to be disturbed. Yeah. That's the first yeah. thing they notice that, hang on, something's not right here. And of course, I didn't know why I kept waking up. And what was happening in my system was very simple. My stress response, which is hugely important, which we all need, it keeps us alive and stops us from, you know, walking under buses and, and helps us to, to perform at our peak performance levels. I wasn't turning that off because my job was stressful and I had a lot of stuff going on. So what was happening basically was my body saying, um, okay, Dermot, I know you're knackered. You can go to sleep for four hours. I'll give you that much. Yeah. But judging by the levels of cortisol and adrenaline in your system, there's obviously a threat in our environment that we're not aware of. So I'm going to wake you up at 10 past three and we're going to be prepared for that. Jesus. So for a lot of people, that's what's happening. It's just their stress response, their, our, our inner alarm. I mean, wherever you are, I guarantee you there's a smoke alarm there, you know, and it's an amazing invention. We need it to work and we need it to work when we want it to work. But if that thing's ringing all the time, it wears you down and you start yeah. to lose faith in that very system to protect you. So all we're trying to do with any of these techniques, whether you call it meditation, tactical breathing, like they call it in the military, whether you call it your relaxation exercise, whatever, all we're ever trying to do is turn off that stress response long enough for our nervous systems, that, that, that parasympathetic nervous system to kick in. That is the rest and digest state that will allow us to just our bodies and minds to get on with the business of living in a nice, peaceful, relaxed way. But can I just ask you, Dermot, because this is a big one that I get asked a lot, is what type of meditation to do? Because people are listening to other, like, let's say Wim Hof or the, uh, is it, I can't remember, I never pronounce it, Bioki, Bioki, it's a Japanese one, Biokie, Bikeiko, which is co two completely different types of breathing. Like Wim Hof goes, breathe real heavy, breathe real fast, hold your breath for as long as you can. Bieko is all, all calm and quiet. The chanting is just, just you sitting, chanting a word or a thing, whatever. And sometimes people go, well, which one am I supposed to do? Because they do all tend to tell you that they're, they're doing all these different meditation uh, um, types of way of doing it, sorry, uh, for different reasons. And they're, they're all for different types of health in your body. Do you know what I mean? I mean, so you're kind of going, well, which one, which one will I choose? I don't know what to do. Like, who, what do you say to people like that? 
If we think of it like the gym, you know, the first day you turned up at a gym, it was might have been quite intimidating. There's a load of machines. There's a load of people doing different things. You're not quite sure what any of those exercises do. Yeah. And you're hoping to God that someone will guide you. Otherwise, you're going to make a mistake and, and feel foolish. So meditation is kind of the same. <clears throat> there are, yes, there are different techniques that you can choose. But a great place to start is Try a guided meditation. So for me, that's yeah. kind of like the personal trainer. Yeah, can I say that's how I started as well? I needed that. Yeah, and a lot of people do. And all you're kind of doing, to have another analogy, is, is you're sliding into the passenger seat and you're letting someone take over. Mm-hmm. Um, and they will guide you. And it's a bit like listening to music. You'll have voices that you like to listen to. You'll have particular teachers that you like to listen to. Others yeah. will do nothing for you. So it's just about... Getting normalizing, firstly, as I spoke of that, taking time out for yourself. So a guided meditation is a very easy way to do that. Um, you can do it in the morning. You can do it when you get home from work. You can do it just before you go to sleep, whatever works for you initially. And th- then you'll start to get used to the process of taking that time and following someone else's guidance. You can then start to look into other ways. Some people, you know, there there are, of course, different disciplines. There's transcendental meditation and all these things. but like. You don't need to be paying loads of money to anybody to learn this stuff. Yeah. You know, yeah. you can, you know, a lot of people never move beyond guided meditations. You know, there are free apps. If I was someone listening to this today going, okay, I kind of get it. I think I'll try it out. Let me recommend an app, Insight Timer. You probably know all about this, Jason. Okay, yeah. It's, it's a free app. It's got loads of different teachers, loads of different meditations. You can search by subjects so like anxiety or sleep or whatever it is that you think you you want help with and start there yeah. um i have free guided meditations on my website dermot Wheelan. i did one today actually dermot you know i i think i meditate as in i show up for a practice to myself every morning but i probably manage about three minutes you know and then i i kind of say little things to myself but the, the one you did so basically you're you're kind of explaining what's happening it's the beginner's one um, and then you're you're kind of you kind of bring you you know okay pay attention to your breath and you talk a little bit about that and then you leave us to it and you say I'm going to come back in halfway through and just remind you and then you come back again and it's really nice I would recommend your website what is it dermotwhelan.com and, and it's really nice because again I know I've used this word before about accessibility it's it's like it this is doable this is absolutely doable and it feels, it doesn't feel intimidating. You know, it, it just feels very supported. And the great thing about it is you don't need any gym gear. You don't need any like no. bags. You don't need to get changed into anything. All you need is just to like sit in a seat or on the floor yeah. or you can do And I was time. actually thinking just before, like I was feeling really tired. And I said, oh, you know, I think, you know, I, 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 I kind of said I'm too tired to sit down and meditate. <laughs> just the kind of way. But then I said, no, 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 I, I am going to do it. And it really is. It kind of rege- re- re- regenerates yeah. you or something. It and, makes me feel more awake afterwards. Yeah. I'm like ready to go. I love it. It's just like, oh my yeah. God. And I have to say that when I kept doing it and I kept doing it, I then got to the, which is an amazing feeling, the euphoria section that you can get out of meditation, which is literally, which is what, which is basically what I call off your banger, which is great crack. Do you know what I mean? Like it is amazing. Like you literally don't know where your body is, if it's up or down or back or forward. And if you just like, that's how good you can get at doing it. It's just the most beautiful feeling. And then you sit up and you go, oh my God, I'm so alive. And I found as well that literally all my worries are just wiped. They're just literally wiped. I don't mean, of course, it is a massive situation in my life. It's not, but I just mean all those basic. For that moment. Words. Yeah, they're just wiped yeah. off and I don't, and I feel like, oh my God, I can take on anything. Beautiful, yeah, well, beautiful feeling. Th- think about it from, you know, if think about it from a scientific point of view, what's happening in your brain when you sat down for those few minutes. As we mentioned that amygdala, the part of your brain that's giving you those worrisome thoughts and the fearful oh. thoughts and the anxious thoughts, that is being shrunk in size. Um, but also the connections from that part of your brain are being weakened to other parts. So, yes, your worries will still be there, but the volume's been turned down on, on yeah. a lot of them, yeah. on, on a, a lot. Um, there's parts of your brain called the temporal parietal junctions, and these are showing brain scans to be fired up when you're meditating. And these are known as our empathy centers. Okay. So, you know, even a few moments of meditation will fire those parts. And what that results in when the ripple effect comes out into your outside world is that you 
you will be nicer to and kinder and have more empathy for people around you. But more importantly, I think for a lot of people, you will start to have nicer, kinder thoughts and actions towards yourself. yourself. And and that inner critic is very loud for a lot of people. I call it the should monster, you know, that never stops telling you what you should have done, should be doing, should be doing more of, less of, should be taller, fatter, skinnier, eat less, run more, whatever it is. And it'll turn down the volume on the should monster because you're firing up those parts of the brain that you're activating. Just like when you go to the gym and if you do leg day and you're working on your quads, man, you're focusing on different parts and you're activating different parts of your body in those situations. And your brain is no different. Like I, I've heard you saying that, that thing that, and this is not just you, but there will always be stress in our lives. You know, stress doesn't go away because we meditate. What happens is that how we are dealing with our stress or how we are handling it becomes more, would you say, healthy or um, we're dealing with the stress in, in, a, in a, how we approach it. I think that's how you said it, how we approach our stressful times builds a kind of resilience in us because we learn to believe that I, I'm able for this. And it kind of reminded me, I was out cycling the other day and there's this very deceptive hill. It doesn't look like it's steep, but Jesus. I mean, I was making really weird noises as I went up it because I was just like, oh, come on, you know, you're just trying to, if I, and and I thought I was going to have to stop, but I didn't. I just kept going and I got to the top and because there was some cars behind me and my pride was all fired up. But then a few days later, I was out running and again, I thought I was going to have to stop. And I was there, no, you got up that hill, you can keep going in this run. Do you know that kind of way? And it kind of reminded me of what, you're, of what you said there, how we approach the difficult situation changes. We believe that we can do it because I suppose we're not all fired up. So we have more energy to go through it steadily. And then we generate a belief that we are able to handle these situations, which then I suppose in its own way reduces the amount of stress we have in our life. It makes perfect sense. sense. And actually you're touching on a, on a really, something that's really important to me. And that is sort of busting a lot of myths around stress. There's an incredible study that came out of the States um, that really demonstrate what, what you're saying really well. And it started in the late 90s, and it was a huge study that came out of the University of Wisconsin-Madison. And they followed 30,000 people, 30,000 Americans in this study. Um, and they asked them two questions. And some people might have heard this on Kelly McGonigal, the author of The Upside of Stress. It's in her book, also in her TED Talk. It's a really pivotal study. Um, because as I say, it, it points to exactly what you're saying. They asked the people in the study two questions. So have you experienced stress in the last year? And the second question was, do you think that stress is harmful to your health? Okay. And then they let them go and live their lives. And then they circled back eight years later and they checked the public death records to see how many of these wonderful people were still walking around. Oh, screen okay. And they found that a certain proportion of them had died. So they then went back into the research and the questions they'd answered. And what they found was quite surprising. 43% of our sorry, what they found was the people who had said that, yes, my life is stressful. The last year has been stressful. They were 43% more likely to die prematurely. Okay, so before that totally freaks you out. The most important thing came came was was the next fact. That was only true for people who thought that stress was harmful to their health. Okay. So the people who had said, yeah, loads of stress in my life, stress is a killer. They were 43% more likely to die prematurely. So their belief about it. Yeah. The people who said, uh, yeah, absolutely tons of stress in my life. Yeah, my head is wrecked. Um, But I do believe that it makes me more resilient. Yeah, I enjoy a challenge. I find that, um, you know, I need it. I need it to perform well at my job. I think stressful uh, stress can be helpful in, in certain situations. Those people were not only less likely, not only outlived the first group, mm-hmm. they also outlived the people who try to avoid stress altogether. Okay. Because as you say, stress ain't going anywhere. You know, yeah. it's always going to be there and we need it. You know, think about all the amazing things you've achieved in your life. You know, the qualifications you have, um, all the clients you see. Yeah, um, people who have had families, pass and driving tests, job promotions, interviews, like all those things that we achieve, even cycling up that hill, 
you yeah. know, we come off the end of those challenges and it makes us more resilient. And what, what is resilience? It's that if we're faced with those situations again, we're more likely to be able to deal with those challenges. Yeah. So yeah. how we perceive stress in our minds literally not only changes how we can react to stress and challenges, but it literally changes the biology of our bodies. Yeah. Our bodies react differently chemically, hormonally, if our attitude to stress can be a little bit more positive, you know. Yeah, and, and I suppose it can be more become more positive if we're able to take a little bit of time out in a stressful situation to do something as simple as breathing for 16 seconds, if that's all you have. Exactly, yeah. yeah so yeah. if you go, do you know what? Yeah, I had a stressful day today, feeling a bit of stressful, got stuff going on. You know, you yeah. might have a, a, a parent with a health challenge going on. You could have a child who's going through something. Maybe there's things going on for you at work. At the moment, huge thing is people working from home. It's yeah. absolutely turning their their mental um, perception on its head because a lot of the natural things that we have in our life, if you're used to working out of the home, like getting up from your desk, uh, walking down to the vending machine, making yourself a cup of coffee, having a chat to two people on the yeah, way. Yeah, little breaks, little bits of time out. Yeah, and, root, and, and it's, it's a, the routine as well because routine is what kept them, kept them kind of sane. Yeah, absolutely. And and we rely more on those things subconsciously than we're aware of. So when that's all stripped away, um, it can have a big impact on us. So um, just sort of building in those things and what you might not, might not have known is that you might have been feeling quite stressed sitting down at your laptop and you got up and you walked, you removed yourself from the situation. You had a chat about the TV show that was on last night. You had a bit of a laugh. You talked about Liverpool and then you sat back down again. You were unconsciously turning off that stress response, turning off your inner smoke alarm. And the problem is when we're sitting at home a lot of the time, those natural breakers aren't there. So that's why it's even more of an opportunity to find something like a 16 second meditation or a little quick guided meditation, just something that's going to break that stress response, calm your nervous system and allow you to get on them with the rest of the day. And then, of course, naturally you handle, you know, you're more motivated in your job. You, you can think more creatively. Once that's that inner smoke alarm is turned off, the rest of your brain and your body can actually do just what it wants to do naturally. So you went on then, uh, Dermot, just because this is brilliant, the endless talk and it's excellent about this. But we, we, you went on to, um, you were teaching meditation then to, to, to rooms of people. Were you doing that? Am I wrong? That's what I do now. I, I I do teach meditation now, but I do it mostly in the corporate space because yeah. I suppose it's 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 naturally set up for that. Um, I had intended to. I had a show called Mindful, uh, which was a mixture of stand up and meditation teaching. It's kind of like a weird, brilliant TED Talk comedy gig. But I took, <laughs> but I took it to the venue manager. He was like, "What?" <laughs> yeah, I'm not putting bean bags in instead of fucking chairs. <laughs> <laughs> I presume you serve kombucha on tap. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. he was like, so it was. He's from Cavan. He's a gas man, and he says, uh, "Well, would they be going to the bar?" Like, yeah, probably not. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. So I was all set to do a tour of of that mm. show, so that I could actually bring this stuff to to just people who aren't in the corporate setting, um, yeah, yeah. but who think they might want to try something and have a laugh while they're doing it. But obviously, COVID, uh, much like all your own gigs, um, put yeah. that. Um, so that's kind of what I'm doing now. I've actually, I'm actually just finishing a book. Um, to, to kind of get this stuff across. And it ties into kind of your first, one of your first questions was, you know, where do people start? People come to me all the time and say, could you recommend a book? Yeah, and yeah. I found in my own, through my own studies, a lot of the books were either too spiritual or too scientific. Right. Too convoluted for, for your average person who just wants like, you know, get me up and running, will you? Yeah. Yeah. Basics. Yeah, exactly. You know, I don't really need to know. Um, you know, I, I don't need a PhD. I just want some bloody relief. You know, so um, yeah. so is your book um, meditation for spas or which ways? Could be a working title. I'll, I'll put that on the list. Shut up and breathe, you Mickey. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's another one. You could say, what are you moaning about? No, but listen, <laughs> thanks a million for thanks a million for doing this. You're just been great. And like before we say goodbye to you, I've just got one more question, but a lot of people are going to be asking because you've done all the meditation. Like you've, 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 it's changed your life. You're completely, you're basically, you're not going like out drinking, you're going out on your skateboard. So is that mean that you're like no crack at all anymore? <laughs> no, like crack. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the genuine things. Yeah, it is so. I noticed that. Yeah, Dave is in there going, he's, he's like shite now. He doesn't want to do it. <laughs> no, absolutely not. You know, and, and that's a justified fear that people have that, you know, yeah. they're they're going to go to bed, you know, in a, in a Man United jersey with meanie, <laughs> with meanies stuck to their jumper um, and then suddenly wake up in, in white linen looking like Russell Brand. Yeah, with, yeah, with, zero, zero, with uh, all these tattoos everywhere. Buddha. Yeah, are those people that uh, my pet hate are the these the in air quotes spiritual people you see on on Instagram and the like, where they're always photoed from behind, sitting in the lotus position. Yes, you know, and you're thinking they are, you know, they are so not at one with everything. They are not yeah. meditating. They're waiting for their boyfriend yes. to take the photo, take the picture, yeah. Yeah. their iPhone, so they can upload it and get likes. So I always tell people, don't believe that bullshit. You know, like I meditate on a Harvey Norman electric two-seater recliner. <laughs> it's in my man cave. It has beer holders. Good. Good place for it. It in the armrest. Um, and when I meditate, I meditate like on the, on the rug in there, on the ground. And when I get up and I'm finished, there's normally like bits of, you know, saliva out the side of my mouth. My hair, hair's all over the camp. And I normally have me jocks open. You know what I mean? Just, to, just for space, for the belly. So yeah, no. So there's no, yeah. There's, I'm not getting no. No one's taking the picture. Yeah, my teacher always said, "Look, comfort is queen. Like you will, t- you know, which you're more likely to come back to the next day. The place that's cozy, warm, and comfortable are sitting in the lotus position. So your knee cartilage is crying out oh, in I agony hate, yeah, with, I can't a, do that. with the uh, you know an invisible sweeping brush up your arse. <laughs> you're, you're not going to come back and do that again. You know? Yeah, it doesn't oh. have to be painful. So Dermot, it's DermotWheelan.com for all, all your meditational needs. And it's a really good website, I have to say, Dermot. I really find it very useful and approachable. Thank you, Mar. Well, there's there's tips up there. I have a Start Meditating page which gives people tips on how to get going, best time of the day to do yeah. it, uh, all those kinds of things. And then, as I said, there's free guided meditations. Um, if you can bear listening to my voice, it, you might enjoy those and it might just kind of, uh, give you a little start in in the whole area, and then you can you can um, become like Jason and uh, shave your head, wear orange robes, and live in the Himalayas. Yeah, and there's nothing more peaceful than listen to a Limerick accent coming oh, yeah. down. <laughs> yeah, a boy and a kid. Uh, <laughs> right, this meditation's going to be rapid. <laughs> It'll relax, relax to fuck, will you? <laughs> oh damn! This is a civilian. Thanks for doing that. You're so good. Uh, thanks, Dermot. Thanks, guys. My pleasure. Great okay, to talk we'll, to you. Keep up we'll the great work. Thanks, Dermot. Anyway, it's Mar- Friday evening, Jason. Let's get, um, let's get you out so, we'll get you out of that wardrobe, get, right? Yeah, and, let's get it out. Let's get this weekend started. Yeah, you know, what we're going to do is get, okay. some, get some wine and some beers into us. Yeah! I mean, sorry. We're going out and meditate. And... Uh, <laughs> So 16, 16 <laughs> seconds of meditation. 16 seconds of meditation. 16 seconds of meditation and, two, and then we'll get the party. And two stage. days of drinking. It always helps. <laughs> okay. Well, look, listen, listen, everybody. Thank you for listening to that brilliant episode. Thank you to Dermot Whelan. Matt. Thank you, Dermot. Absolutely. Thank you, Dermot. And check out his website. Yeah. Uh, we will we will have like show notes at the end of these podcasts yeah. that you can check out uh, links as yeah, well. Yeah, because he did talk an awful lot about those experiments I'd love to look up. Uh, yeah. The, and, you know, and of course, Insight Times, which is the app that uh, we we're using. So like, yeah, lots of stuff we'll, we'll add in. So everybody yeah. have a good, like, of course, it doesn't matter because they could be listening to this any day walking along. But uh, yeah. have a rest of a good day, good night or whatever and try try and meditate. I mean, give it a little bash. What do you think, Mark? Yeah, give it a whirl. It's just a little bit of time out. Maybe the word can be intimidating. A little yes. bit of time out. Notice your breath. Start from there. So Jason, mind yourself. Na- namaste. Namaste. <laughs> okay, guys, mind yourselves, mind your loaves, mind and you. talk to you next time. Talk to you all. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. Turn to me provides professional mental health support. Ah, uh, Jason. Oh.
do your, uh, you know, your ad voice. Oh, yeah, I'll do the yeah, ad. Yeah, okay, I'll on. do a proper ad okay. thing. Okay, ready? Yeah. As a registered charity, Turn To Me provides professional mental health support online for anyone in Ireland going through a tough time. From one-to-one counselling to group and peer support, Turn To Me is accessible from any device anywhere in Ireland. If you would like to support Turn To Me, you can donate €4 Euros by texting Turn To Me to 50300. Text costs €4. Euros. Turn To Me will receive a minimum of €3.60 Euros service provider-like charity. Helpline 076. Six six eight zero five two seven eight. Is that you? Yeah, that was actually me. There, ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Jesse Crookshank. Jesse Crookshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl! Let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs> 